Welcome to Buildings and Beyond. The podcast that explores how we can create a more sustainable built environment. By focusing on efficiency, accessibility, and health. I'm Rob Aldrich. And I'm Kelly Westby. Victor Khaleesi is the commissioner of the New York City Mayor's Office for People with Disabilities. He has the very modest job of making New York City the most accessible city in the world. SWA was introduced to Commissioner Khaleesi when Harold Bravo from our accessibility team served on the code committee for the New York City Building Code Chapter 11. But in this episode, we talk about accessibility in a much broader sense than just the code. Access to the arts, fairies, playgrounds, as well as access to work opportunities for people with disabilities. Commissioner Khaleesi catches me saying differently abled people. This may seem innocuous, but he reminds us all that language matters. The person comes before their disability, and people-first language is critical in creating the mindset we need to provide access for everyone. Just like Kristoff in our episode on human psychology in the built environment, Commissioner Khaleesi urges us to take a human-centered approach, not just to design, but to life. So let's get right to it. Thank you so much, and welcome to Buildings and Beyond. Uh, we wanted to set the scene by having you tell us a little bit about your professional journey and how you became the commissioner of the New York City Mayor's Office for People with Disabilities. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, it's really uh, nice to be on uh, the podcast. So, yeah, it's certainly been a journey. It's been a journey in my career from where I was uh, 25 years ago as a blue-collar worker uh, working in the plumbing sector, and then uh, being injured, uh, having a bicycle accident that left me paralyzed, and changing things up. I uh, had to go back to school, uh, got involved in a lot of disabled sport, and in 1998, I was a Paralympic athlete in the sport of sled hockey in Nagano, Japan, so that was pretty That's cool. awesome, yeah. yeah. And uh, through that whole sports era, I realized that the Department of Parks and Recreation in New York City just wasn't doing enough for people with disabilities. So I got involved uh, in a roundabout way and uh, wanted to really push the agenda for accessibility in parks. And eventually I got recruited over to parks. And uh, I was in charge of providing programs and services and looking at design and construction for people with disabilities. And, and it was a great job. We, we developed a transition plan, figuring out what barriers existed in the New York City Parks Department and how we would fix the barriers. I would argue today that all the work that we've done in playground design, that we are one of the leaders, if not the leader, in accessible playgrounds around the world. Awesome. We've been adding lots of different features for people with disabilities, people with visual disabilities, people with hearing disabilities, people with physical disabilities, uh, people who are aging, and really putting some design standards in place that exist today. And it's great to see the work that they're doing. And seeing all, how important the commissioner was and how it really was a top-down approach really inspired me to to look for a position like that. And fortunately... For me, at that time, this position for the mayor's office with people with disabilities opened up. And uh, I've been here for seven years now and serving two administrations. And it's been, it's been great being able to make effective change and changing the way people live their lives in New York City for accessibility. 
Yeah, that's great. Let's dig in a little bit. I want to, you covered a wide range of initiatives um, there. So what's one thing do you think that you're involved in in, in New York City today that, that really has the biggest impact or, or maybe, you know, top three impact? Wow, we're involved in so much. Everything that touches New York City and every agency we're involved in. If we're talking about voting, Democracy NYC, we're involved in voting. If we're talking about the cultural plan, we're, we were involved in the cultural plan. We're talking about Vision Zero, we're involved in Vision Zero. So there's nothing in the city that we don't touch. So it's uh, to, say, to say what we've, the top three, wow. So many different things. Uh, well, number one, I'll start with uh, transportation. Uh, we've added an accessible ferry system. Right. That throughout New York City, that's been amazing, fully accessible. Um, bathrooms on the same floor, uh, kiosks that are accessible for people yeah. to purchase tickets. That's amazing. So we're pretty excited about that. Yeah. And along with that, we, the city of New York, they're the only city in the world to put a cap on these ride-sharing companies in the for hire vehicle sector. And when, when that happened, that cap was one thing, but it now allows, if they're going to put any vehicles on the street, they're for wheelchair-accessible vehicles. So okay. we're really excited to be able to drive that. And, and in the yellow sector, we've been able to add accessibility in that, in that sector as well. And the great part about that is we're the only city in America to be able to have the number of accessible taxis and for hire vehicle fleet. So we're pretty excited about that in transportation. Um, yeah, that's great. Another great thing that we've done is we added disability service facilitators and agencies across the city. People that are people with disabilities or represent the disabled community. And what they're doing is they're looking at the programs and services they deliver and looking at the design and construction that's happening to ensure that accessibility not only meets the ADA codes and requirements, but goes above and beyond that. Yeah, that's great. The, we have the New York City landscape changing constantly, and kind of like you said, commuting by ferry. That wasn't quite as big of a thing. Now we have New York City ferry. Uh, do you think the changing landscape makes it more difficult, how does that play into um, to making sure, how do you keep up with all of the changes in construction that's going on? Well, one, one thing is important to have that rep those representatives that I mentioned earlier, those disability service facilitators in those agencies, because they're really the pulse of what's happening in that agency and being able to hear what's going on and, and getting briefings from those agencies is important, but yeah. And then you can have a coordinated effort across. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and that's it. Yeah. What's the coordination happening? Making sure that agencies have a pulse on what's going on and making sure there's a representative there and that all complies. But New York City is an old city, right? <laughs> and, and making it accessible is, uh, it can be a challenge sometimes. Right. But everything was built before the ADA without people with disabilities in mind. So right. we have to be cognizant of what's happening considering uh, the nature of the infrastructure and what's difficult to access um, and what needs to be changed is what we are all about. Right. And so how, how do you look back at uh, buildings? I, you talked a little bit about this with the Parks Department 
having accessible playgrounds, which is actually something that I haven't thought about as part of the built environment. That's an important part of the built environment. Um, well, you think about it. We all learn. Yeah. We all learn on a playground, oh, right? That's a and, good point. And uh, kids with disabilities should have that same opportunity, or parents with disabilities, or people who are aging to be able to play with their grandchildren yeah. in that playground. It all makes sense. That's an excellent point. And so, and that speaks a little bit, and I, I might be a little bit out of order here, but it speaks a little bit to the sort of universal design versus accessibility. So you could build maybe uh, a space that is technically accessible, but isn't is accessible by sort of ADA requirements. And I'm using air quotes, which nobody else can see except for you. But um, the, <laughs> good air quotes, by the way. <laughs> thank Very you, impressive. Thank you. Yes, yeah. The um, but, but how can we? It sounds like your initiatives are actually focusing on any kind of different abilities, not just strictly can a wheelchair get from point A to point B, but can people at, with different abilities, maybe a pregnant women, maybe elderly folks that are taking care of young kids, how can they access the space? So tell me a little bit more about the interplay and how your agency um, sees kind of the interplay between setting the bare minimum standard and mm -hmm. then really incorporating everybody. So if we look at the ADA, great piece of legislation as a whole, and we look at the guidelines. And the guidelines are really driven for physical disabilities. We, we really don't think about other disabilities. We do, but they're minor. So what we try to do is really bring that up to a higher level, right? When we're thinking about people with disabilities, we really need to be cognizant of what that means. Right. That's people with hearing disabilities. And it's people who are deaf, people who are hard of hearing, people who have lost their hearing, right? There's so many different levels of hearing, but we have to be cognizant of that and make sure that's included. When we're talking about blind, it's not just people who are blind, it's people with low vision. Right. And all different degrees of, of, of vision that people go through toward, towards their life. And we have to think about people with cognitive disabilities. Uh, that's important, people on the spectrum, people um, with mental health concerns, right? All of that needs to really be addressed, and of course, people with physical disabilities. So that all interplays, and when we're talking about accessibility, it's so broad in its scope, and we have to really dial down on things and make sure that what we're providing is accessible to all of those sectors. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it can be challenging at times, but there's ways to do it. And that's what we're committed to do and the expertise that we have in our office, looking at lots of different technologies that are emerging, looking at infrastructure that's being built and making sure that those big four, as we like to call it, cognitive hearing, vision, and physical disability are incorporated into everything the city does. Okay, got it. And what can you describe, not all of our listeners have read through the entire uh, ADA requirements or any of those, what disabilities do do the older Fair Housing Act, ADA, what do they mostly look at? I looked at physical disabilities, wheelchair access and height ranges and turning radiuses and stuff like that, which are all important. Right. Um, <laughs> because, I mean, you even mentioned it before, people who are aging, right? We acquire disabilities as we age. Um, right now you're looking at me and... Well, a year ago, I wasn't wearing glasses, and now I am, and that's uh, something that has happened, right? People, right. Would, people don't realize that they acquire disabilities, and vision is certainly one of them. And what, you may not be wearing glasses one day, but 
for reading purposes another. So yeah. it, things change and we have to be prepared for that and build our environments for that. So as you age, you age in place. Right. Right, and that we had an episode on, uni- like, kind of focused on universal design, mostly in uh, kind of single-family homes, small multifamily homes. But how do you, how can you make a space that you're not constantly having to change with the way that your body will change? We know how our bodies will likely change. How can we incorporate that into the space? So it sounds like you guys maybe are are looking at that from a public uh, public works perspective. Yeah, absolutely, from a public works perspective. And there's so much construction that happens. And we, frequently people come into our office from thinking about flood, flood issues and right. how that affects people with disabilities, making sure that we have accessible options through that. Um, right. And it can be anything. It could be parks and playgrounds that we constantly see. Uh, and I'm trying to think as, as, as yeah. I'm talking about all the, all the things that happen in the city and all the jobs uh, that we look at from waterfront access to beach access to bathroom access. It, it just goes on and on. Right. That's an excellent point. And what are you doing? You know, we talked a little bit about the city was existing. There's a lot of existing landscape there. We didn't necessarily have the same size walkways as we uh, as we would want now, the same size hallways as we would want now. What are some, is there anything that, that we can do, the codes cover new buildings and renovations. Is there anything that we can do with the existing building stock and what are you guys looking at with the existing building stock? Well, I can't say this uh, as loud, I want to say this really loud and I, <laughs> I can't wait till we get to the, the existing building code and right. really be able to change that and say, hey, what do we do in these existing buildings? Because people are having issues. Right. People are not sure what to do or how to do it. They apply the new code to the existing buildings, which is great and we like that, but there are also, there are also constraints with that and we have right. to be cognizant of it. And a lot of people are getting sued under this, under right. the ADA, and we have to figure out a way to dive into that existing building code and let people know what that is. And people are just lazy on design and not really thinking, because you have to think outside the box of some of these old, older buildings. And, yeah. and what, type, what type of infrastructure can be put in place? Is it ramps? Right. Is it, is it a lift? Um, to, to get in there? Or do you have color contrast that, that's there and uh, uh, things at proper heights? And uh, do you have uh, p- uh, doorbells that uh, allow people to see? And, and, and right. so many different things. And you have to be creative in, in what's happening in this existing spaces and apply everything that you can. Um, and people simply just want to come into our office and say, we can't do this, or we're grandfathered, and A, a grandfather doesn't exist, and B, you can <laughs> right. do this. You yeah. just have to go back and think creatively. Right, and that's an excellent point, and I, I, I've talked probably on a couple of other episodes. There's a lot of different things, even that we cover within our office from sustainability, accessibility, universal design, and there might actually be uh, conflicts between, say, uh, one example that I've uh, given is the, um, the door thresholds for accessibility. You want to be flat so you can uh, get in easily. For passive house, you need uh, insulation around them. So how do you insulate it when it's flat to the ground? So something, things like this where we're, 
we're trying to balance different priorities. So it almost feels like well, how the design world is trying to balance a bunch of different priorities, and they've just said, you know what? We're just not going to, we're not going to look at this, this universal design thing. It's too overwhelming. It's too scary. Accessibility, we'll try to check the box with as little as possible. But maybe they're really, they're not focusing in the right place. And, and it, no one really cares about disability until it happens to them. And it's yeah. really important that people look at this because we mentioned it earlier, people will yeah. acquire disabilities. Could very well happen to you. Right, <laughs> as, as it can. But yeah. think about this, how it will apply to you as you get older or how, how it will apply to your grandmother or grandparents Right. Yeah. Um, no, that's an excellent point. We talked a little bit about human behavior too. There's there's statistics out there. There's plenty of information that says this is a better way to build a building. Universal design, thinking about people with disabilities, thinking about different differently abled people. Whether no, no, it's no the, we, differently oh, able is something yeah, we don't say. <laughs> so yeah, and, and language is important yeah, too. Yeah. And really thinking about oh, how we drive because yeah. Be, it, because what we try to do in our office is ensure that there's equity across everything, and right. language is really important. So, That's absolutely and right. and, I, and I know we we have to really think about language there, and and when and there's a lot of different things that you don't say in, yeah. in disability because what you want to do is really provide a space where people aren't offended or people are accepted. So we really have to think about our language. Yeah, and I I. I thought about that a lot at first and messed it up there, but uh, it's one thing, uh, the framing is sort of the human-centered focus, right? So it's people, everybody is a person first, and anything about them can, can is secondary. Yeah, we like to use person-first language a lot because you put the person before the disability. Instead of saying a wheelchair person, you're saying a blind, uh, or, or I mean, you're or saying, well, I messed that one up. <laughs> Say, instead Don't of saying a wheelchair person, right, <laughs> a person in a wheelchair. So those are really the importance. Or a blind person, it's a person who is blind. And, and those are some of the uh, language that we like to put forward. And there's also the H word. Right. Uh, yeah. Tell me more about. Yeah, more about um, that. it's it's the H word. Uh, is. Uh, is the word handicap, mm -hmm. and we don't use that anymore. It's just an archaic wor word, and people just like to be referred to people with disabilities. Right. Plain and simple. Yeah, and that's an excellent point, and I think centering around humans, if we think about universal design with that lens, then I think we don't get so tied up in the specific, oh, can you make the turn in this room. Can you make, well, how, if we drop that lens, can we just think about all people? How can all people use this space in a more effective way? Yeah. I think that's excellent. Absolutely. Um, are, are there initiatives for people like me to increase sensitivity around, uh, around the language that we use to uh, move the, the discussion forward in a healthy way? Yeah, and there's a lot of different ways, right? Uh, one of the things that I didn't mention earlier, but I'm going to mention now, is a program that we have called NYC at Work. It's a public-private partnership to first ever in New York City to employ people with disabilities. And if you have, we hear a lot about diversity and inclusion today, but if you hear about that diversity and inclusion initiative, it doesn't. It never includes people with disabilities. 
never does. It never yeah. does. I want you to really dial yeah. into the conversation next time you hear it and don't say anything, but just listen. You will not hear disability mentioned. And if you do, let me know who they are because I want to be involved with them. Okay. Um, so hiring people with disabilities, seeing people with disabilities in your office, understanding what that's like, uh, and the, what their experiences are at work, or how uh, how they can be such a collab collaborator with you and being able to bring new ideas, different approaches. We don't see that in the workplace too much. So employing people with disabilities are certainly one of them. Um, also taking unconscious bias classes is an, another great thing. And more importantly, disability etiquette, reading up on disability etiquette, taking disability etiquette classes. I mean, one of the thing, great things that our office does is that we go around and we give disability etiquette training uh, yeah. to people that, were, that, that are involved with us. And it's really something that's eye-opening. We are now developing a uh, module, a training module that will uh, to train city employees that we're developing right now on what disability etiquette is and how to work with people with disabilities, how to approach people with disabilities, what language is around. So it's pretty in-depth. And that's that sort of like a fix ourselves first program, fix, fix kind of, or not fix, but work with people within the government agencies uh, kind of as a first and make sure that those People have well, yeah, we, we do a lot of training within city government as well, but we also do it with businesses that we partner with, part of our NYC at Work initiative, okay. and where, where people, have, people have made complaints about businesses not doing things correctly. And then we'll reach out to those businesses and work with them to be able to, sh to so they understand how to work and talk with people with disabilities. Okay, that's great. Really important. Really yeah. important to get it right. And, and it's a process. Yeah. We wish we could turn things around as quickly as possible, but people need to, to know and understand. But it's not until you really have people with disabilities, the only people with disabilities in the workforce and fully inclusive education that we're really going to move the needle for people with disabilities. Right, that's an excellent point. And um, forcing, a little bit forcing the conversation with, in that way. The... I'm going to um, take a little bit of a turn. We talked, a, you mentioned technology and how technology is changing things. Um, do, do you have any specific examples of how technology is advancing um, the way that people with disabilities can interact with spaces or um, can interact with the yeah. built environment? Yeah, a lot, lots of different ways. Uh, we... We do a lot of work with uh, museums around the city, and uh, we use technology um, that drives people uh, to exhibits and be able to, uh, if you think you go to an exhibit and you put on headphones and it talks to you about what that exhibit is, that's one piece of technology. Okay. Another piece of technology that we've been uh, working with is uh, the Broadway theaters and something called Gallipro. And the technology that's there, it allows a person with, uh, to get a, an app or a device at a theater and be able to get audio description and captioning on demand. Oh, In the past, cool. you'd have to wait for a specific show. Yeah. Now, you just go to a show that you want two weeks after its performance, and it's audio uh, described, it's captioned, oh, wow. and people can get this technology. That's great stuff that we're driving. Uh, another great thing that we've been 
that we've done is work with Link NYC. You know those links you see on the street, the big kiosks? Oh, yeah. We reinvented the payphone, and with that came the Link NYC. Okay. And we've added a lot of accessible features in there, height features, braille features. We've also talkback features that are there, and we're always looking to add new technologies. And what exactly that. does Link do for people um, it's, that don't it, know? Um, it's a free phone service on the street. Okay, got uh, it. And free web service that's on the street, for Wi-Fi hotspots that are on the street that people can get, and they're fully inclusive to people with disabilities. Awesome, that's great. And we've focused a lot on the New York City context. What do you think is makes a the biggest difference here versus uh, maybe in other places around the world? I know you've done some traveling and speaking engagements in other places. What do you see as kind of um, our strengths and weaknesses? Is it dependent on the kind of buildings that we have? or Sure. Oh, well, the great thing about about New York City, it really is the greatest city in the world. <laughs> I, I'm a pompous New Yorker, and I'm not going to hold back on that. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot to do, and there's a lot to see. And there's a lot to make accessible. And people are really interested about what happens in New York City. I've been around other parts of the world, and I see other great things that are happening. And when I see those things happening, I'm just like, well, how do we... Uh, how do we bring that back? Yeah, yeah. How, do I, how do I steal that? Yeah. Um, what was one idea you found from somewhere else that well, you wanted to steal? A lot of technology stuff, like the Gallup Pro that we've been using in theaters is something that I've seen oh, okay, there. Um, uh, different crossings, uh, ways that other people uh, are looking at crossings for people with disabilities, okay. um, accessible pedestrian signals. I, I've seen something... When I was in Wellington, um, New Zealand, I saw some great accessibility. Uh, every crossing was sing uh, every singleized crossing had um, accessible pedestrian signals that are there. And I thought that was great. So it allows okay. a per an accessible pedestrian signal beeps and allows a person with a visual disability to cross the street in a safe manner. But just okay. like every sing signalized crossing was there, and I was like, wow, this is pretty they really cool. Rolled yeah, it out. they 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 really got it right. Wow. And 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 seeing things like that. It's like, all right, we can do that. Yeah. And we, well, let's figure out how we can do that. And we're adding more and more on our street and continue to do so. Yeah, that's great. We talked a little bit before we started recording about 1% better. So if we, keep, 1 if we better. get a couple, 1% yeah, <laughs> better every day. Um, the, do you see any of the programs that we have, do you see any opportunity to replicate them at the national level? We are working a lot with other mayor's office with people with disabilities great. across the country. And we just held the first convening in May of all those offices, about 13 offices everywhere from Chicago to Philadelphia, Boston, San Francisco, St. Louis, Chicago. So we, the usual suspects. Yeah, usual suspects. <laughs> and uh, we're working together uh, at, for different initiatives, and we're, we, we're looking to start an Empowered Cities initiative where we work on financial empowerment, oh, great. Um, housing, and employment for people with disabilities. So there, there are certainly some national efforts that are happening, yeah. and, uh, w and we convene every every other month via phone uh, to talk about the issues that we're having and see which, who's tackling what and what best practices are happening and, and how we can all make it better. Great. Yeah. And thinking about something that's gone the other way, we had the national ADA requirements, and then we have kind of the local code requirements. You were on the uh, 
code committee with one of our accessibility consulting directors. Sorry, I'm jumping around a little. Yep. The, and to, to develop chapter 11, the accessibility um, chapter. How, how is this code language moving us forward in New York? We spoke a little bit about kind of the host of existing buildings, but what are some of the things that you guys were focused on getting in this round into the, uh, into the accessibility code? So to the, great, the great thing about the code is you really need to come to consensus, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and thinking about when we go through that, and we had a lot of different people in the room, right? We had architects and designers and, and uh, building people and city people, and the list goes on and on and on. And in a room like that, it can be tough. But the idea with the with the chapter eleven was how to, and I set the tone at the beginning. I want to figure out ways that we can go above and beyond accessibility, and we found ways to do that, and we built consensus around it. We've increased the number of accessible tables um, that are that are in restaurants. We put in new parking spots, uh, bicycle parking spots for people with disabilities because people with disabilities like to ride bikes. Uh, either it's a hand cycle, a tricycle, or a tandem bike. And you, that requires a little bit more space, so we've added more space for that. Oh, we've looked great. at um, different ways uh, to look at elevator access because what we're doing right now is we have these destination elevators. And you ever go to see one of those destination elevators? You go in, you press a floor, and then one comes, it brings you right to that floor. Right, right. And they're really confusing because they're so different tr than the traditional elevator, uh. where you push a button and you stop at every floor. And there's lots of reasons for that. More efficient, um, easier to access. But what we've done is we created a barrier for people with visual disabilities mm. and how they ac access everything because everything's... Everything's like a digital keypad, right? Yeah, and they aren't they aren't physical. Right. So we worked through the code to come up with standards that are more efficient for people with disabilities. And people acknowledge we're talking about uh, the sound okay. um, that's yeah. there, the buttons, physical buttons that get and that when when you hit it, it gets more time to access that elevator. So those are some of the things that we looked at in the code that we push forward um, that has certainly increased. Accessibility and 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 that, and that's what we're talking about, right? It's incremental changes yeah. that will get better. Of course, I want to go in and just make everything, everything better. Yeah. But again, we have we have a lot of people in the room, and we got so much further in the code, and I can only see it going further and further. Right, and that elevator piece is such an excellent point because as things change for for other reasons not related to accessibility or universal design that changing for efficiency or changing we then have to adapt the codes that relate to them to make sure that they're accessible for all and we talked about digital uh, accessibility a little bit before technology right. and what we did with the destination elevators right it, we almost at some degree when we're bringing in these new technologies as a whole not just the elevators we start to create a digital divide. And mm. we gotta kind of bring that back right. and say, well, if we're gonna digitize something, we have to make sure it's accessible for people with disabilities. So that's the reason why when we looked at the code and we had an opportunity to change these destination elevators, everyone came on and we, and, and we didn't do it in a bubble, right? right? We had people with disabilities that went out and actually tested Great. the service yeah. with designers uh, elevator, uh, the uh, elevator people. Manufacturers. Yeah, manufacturers. <laughs> thank you. Those guys. Uh, all of the, they were they they were there to witness yeah. what happened. 
and how okay. people got lost, right? Yeah. And and we so we had everyone involved. We had people Did from some research testing. Yeah, oh yeah. 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 And great. we wanted to make sure that what we were putting forward was right, not only for people with disabilities, for the people that are designing right. the elevators as well. It could work for everybody. Right. And we, we can't create a digital divide. We have to ensure that it's accessible for people with disabilities. But we need the input from people with disabilities, and we can't do that without them. Right. That's an excellent point. And you spoke before to different perspectives on things. Everybody's going to come at um, that with a different perspective that will then hopefully make a solution that's actually better for everyone. The... So what, what can I do and what can our listeners do to contribute and make a difference today? We mentioned some of it earlier, right? Disability etiquette, mm-hmm. right? Getting, um, looking at people with, uh, to hire, right? What, what, what is your HR practices right. and making sure that you're hiring people with disabilities? Um, simple things. Do uh, you have uh, Twitter? you have Instagram? In theory, yeah. Right, I theory. think Stephen Winter Associates does. Yeah. <laughs> but are you adding all text, describing the photos? Uh, oh, yeah. Right? These are all simple little things. Uh, think about it. Instagram is fully uh, something that people look at with pictures. Well, a person with visual disability wants to know what those pictures are. Describe what that picture is. Right? Those are simple little things that you can do um, to change things uh, and the, percep- the perceptions of people with disabilities. And People with disabilities, uh, people, with dis- people with disabilities are not disabled. Right. When you could say, hey, you know, Victor, I'm looking at you right now and you're in a wheelchair, you know, that, that appears to be a disability to me. It's like, okay, yeah, I, I could understand why you would say that. But what makes me disabled is not my wheelchair, it's my environment. Mm. And when we start to change the environment to be accessible, the disabilities go away. That's an excellent point. Um, that is a really great note to end on, but I will ask you one more question. Uh, Go Um, ahead. (laughs) What I like to ask is when we're on this podcast again in five years talking, what will we be talking about then? Our goal and our vision is to make New York City the most accessible city in the world. So we'll just be talking about how great it is. How much further we have gone and including accessibility in everything that the city has to offer. All right, that's great. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast Well, thanks for having me, Kelly. Thank you for listening to Buildings and Beyond. For more information about the topics discussed today, visit www.swinter.com slash podcast and check out the episode show notes. Buildings and Beyond is brought to you by Stephen Winter Associates. We provide energy, green building, and accessibility consulting services to improve the built environment. Our professionals have led the way since 1972 in the development of best practices to achieve high-performance buildings. Our production team for today's episode includes Dylan Martello, Alex Mirable, and myself, Heather Breslin. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.